Welcome to Results by Design, UX Insights for Business Leaders, the podcast that dives deep into the world of UX design, strategy, and insights. Tune in, take action, and design your way to success. Hello, everyone. I'm Craig. And I'm Michael. And we're your hosts for the Results by Design podcast. Happy New Year, Craig. How was, uh, how was your holiday break? Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it was refreshing. Uh, it was nice. It was, took the time uh, during that week to really disconnect and came back feeling fresh and ready for the new year. How about yourself? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I mentioned uh, last time around that, uh, you know, I went, I went down to Portland. I don't even know if I mentioned it, but I went down to Portland for the first time. So the first Christmas away from home. Uh, stayed at uh, my sister-in-law's and uh, it was great. It was great. She was gracious and a little shout out to my niece, uh, letting letting her or letting us stay in her room and crash that. So thanks, Ken's Appreciate it. Putting up with us. Oh, that's awesome. What are we going to be talking about today? We've been thinking about this and, you know, over the last 15 years working in the consultancy and agency space, um, we've seen a lot and we've done a lot. So we thought it'd be, or I thought it'd be, and, and you agreed with me, thought it'd be interesting to peel back the onion on the five most common problems that uh, we've seen organizations face when trying to build a successful digital business, digital product, or digital project. How's that sound? I think it sounds great, man. Um, I think the audience will enjoy this one, seriously. I hope so. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, working with hundreds of companies on well over a thousand projects, we found the five most common problems that hold companies back from being successful in building their digital business, digital product, or digital project fall into these categories. Uh, leadership and vision, silos, people, processes, and culture. And whether you're an internal team or a consultant brought in from the outside, identifying these problems early and working through or in some cases, working around them is as critical as working on the digital product itself. Yeah, you know what? I'm weird like that, but I said this before that I personally love working through um, what I call the challenges within the challenge the most. I think they're super interesting to um, you know navigate because oftentimes they uh, involve people and psychology. You know, those are two things that I really, really love. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, challenges within the challenges. Th that's a great way to put it. You know, in addition to being the experts brought in to improve the user experience in many ways would function as digital therapists, if you will, uncovering the issues and obstacles within the organization. And that digital therapy that we provide often is the highest value activity that helps the client, the customer, the company achieve a breakthrough. So let's jump in and talk about the observations on each problem. I'll start with leadership and vision. So an organization's culture is set from the top, and the same thing is true of that team or that team's preparedness for a digital initiative. If your leadership team isn't engaged uh, or aligned around a shared vision for the business effort, digital business effort, that initiative is already set up for failure. And for mid-level leaders and, and team leaders especially, uh, this can be very challenging. And really, for people that are wired as change agents, this can be really challenging. You're the people that once you see a problem, you can't unsee it. Uh, the problem may not fall under your direct responsibility, but it impacts your ability to achieve your objectives and you want to fix it. And I feel like I'm one of those people a lot of times. I don't know, Mike, I think you are as well. 
and you're just wired in that way. But some symptoms that you might recognize regarding leadership and vision issues might be a lack of executive engagement after the sponsorship, they sponsor the project. You know, in my mind, every project or every digital initiative needs an executive sponsor, a champion, and a compelling reason. You know, why now? What happens if we do nothing? And who loses their job if it fails? And if those things aren't in place, oftentimes that's a signal that leadership isn't really behind the initiative. Another symptom that we've seen or an experience over the years is a squishy decision-making. You know, everything is discussed like a committee with no clear commitment. Direction and urgency comes in fits and starts, but over time it feels like commitment wavers and there's really no bias for action. And again, that's a sign that leadership may not be uh, fully aligned and on board. Another one is, you know, you have the, the initiative set, you're already in process, you're getting things going, and the leader comes to the table with ideas and experience without a hypothesis to test. It's shiny object syndrome, you know, where they're chasing after ideas. Uh, and these ideas and experiments often create churn and delays unless you can get buy-in for performing research early in the project. Big yellow flag that we've seen or that we, we notice is a lack of discussion or healthy debate in meetings or reviews. You know, that could be uh, coupled with passive or passive aggressive behavior deferring to others. Uh, or even worse, the meeting goes silent or the tone changes when a particular person joins the meeting. And that to me is a big red flag. That often signals a closed mindset where that person or that team is not open to ideas and they may see themselves as the smartest person in the room. And I, I would guess that most people that have been in the, you know, working in a, in a company have run into this situation before. And, and you, you know, you know what it looks like, what it smells like, and what it feels like to be in that, in that place. And finally, the really big one, I think this one really under, uh, underlies everything is misaligned objectives or misaligned initiative uh, incentives, excuse me. You know, what are the quarterly, mid-year, and annual objectives of the individual, the team leader, and, and upper management? Are they aligned cross-functionally or do they conflict, you know, with your what you need done for this initiative to be successful? You know, and bottom line at a personal level, how are you measured to receive your bonus? How is your manager measured to receive their bonus? And how is their leadership measured to receive their bonus? You know, those things, you can put all the training, the frameworks, the workshops, the process in place. But if those things are misaligned, people's human behavior and, and, and their, their job is really on the line to, to meet their objectives. So th those are just some of the symptoms that we've seen. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Mike? Yeah, gosh, man. You know, when you were going through that symptoms list, I was, I was grimacing. Uh, the shiny object syndrome was and is definitely uh, a thing. That I saw at you know almost every single company that I've worked for, and um, you know tr truly it was I recall very demoralizing for the team when it happened because you know there was a lot of hard work you know put into doing something you know you know some sort of initiative that was super important at the time only to get deprioritized for you know what we call pet projects or whatnot. So yeah, that. That definitely brings back um, some some bad memories there. But the the second barrier that I wanted to talk about is you know our age old enemy uh, stylos. Uh, 
it's ironic. Uh, we we were just on a call and uh, it felt like we were just talking about silos. I don't I don't know why, but when I think of silos, I also think of you know the whole you know that that whack a mole game at the arcade, and it's like no matter how hard you try to prevent them, or you know when you do eliminate them, they they just keep popping up everywhere. You know, so it's uh that's just something that comes to, comes in my mind when I think about that. But you know, here here are. Uh, Five reasons, though, why departmental silos are problematic. You know, they create uh, duplicative work, um, misalignment across teams, loss of company vision, uh, communication problems, and collectively, when you, you look at all of those things, uh, a loss of revenue. So, but there are symptoms that you can uh, look out for. And uh, here are some of those top ones. Uh, there's interdepartmental conflict. Uh, you know, everyone has done it, said some negative comments about, you know, how difficult another department is to work with, usually behind closed doors after the meeting or something like that. Then there's negative customer experience. I think this is a often a good measure of silos within an organization, because if you think about the customer customer experience, it is a byproduct of the work of each contributing department. So, you know, when you see a fragmented customer experience, it is likely a representation of how things are um, internally structured. So that's a good one. Another is inconsistent marketing. You know, I'll be the first to admit that it's very difficult uh, for organizations of any size, but especially larger ones to maintain consistent marketing. But when it comes to a company's brand, a disconnected look and feel or disconnected messaging uh, across channels. For example, you know, it could be a website, a mobile app, social media can be a telltale sign that silos exist. Uh, and lastly, uh, unfamiliar employees. You know, this one is uh, an easy one and also can be an awkward one uh, for those employees who have been around for a while, not knowing basic information about other employees on the same team or teams that you regularly work with. For example, you know, what's their, what's their name or, you know, what are their roles um, can contribute to, you know, a lot of problems that uh, were stated earlier. Yeah, that's a great list of symptoms. You know, it's interesting too, because with silos, um, just like with any relationship, there's water under the bridge, there's resentments that happen, there's things that have been done. And really, like you said, psychology and human um, behavior and you know relationship building is a big piece of that. The third problem we're going to talk about is people. We love Patrick Lencioni's model of humble, hungry, and smart uh, as characteristics of great team players. For digital businesses, in addition to the character of the individuals, the digital dexterity of each individual directly impacts the team's effectiveness. Gartner defines digital dexterity as a set of beliefs, mindsets, and behaviors that equip individuals to successfully build and run digital businesses. And Gartner created a four-quadrant matrix called the Profile of Digital Dexterity based on the CEB 2018 Digital Dexterity Survey of 3,481 employees. And the quadrants um, cover ambition to build digital business, ambition to work digitally, uh, ability to build digital business, and ability to work digitally. And the most impactful 
individuals score well in all four areas. The second most impactful individuals score make high marks in ambition to work digitally and ambition to build digital businesses. The third most impactful individuals score well in ambition to build digital businesses and ability to build digital businesses. And so as a leader, if you're assessing individuals on the team or across the organization, there's five competencies that Gartner um, references uh, as drivers of digital dexterity. There's business acumen, adaptability, uh, political savvy, fusion collaboration, and systems thinking. And for each of them, there's a way to evaluate uh, that individual's um, digital dexterity. So for business acumen, the question would be, how well does this person demonstrate an awareness of the broader internal and external business context? For adaptability, the question would be, how well does this person demonstrate an openness to new and iterative ways of working? Regarding political savvy, uh, the question would be, how effective is this person in building and influencing stakeholders, networks internally and externally? And for fusion collaboration, does this person collaborate effectively with employees with diverse perspectives and experiences? And finally, for systems thinking, the question would be, how well does this person understand the internal and external relationships between technologies and processes? And, you know, you can create a simple Likert scale of uh, one to five and rank each person's aptitude in each of the criteria to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses. And this will really help you understand where the gaps are uh, in your team's digital dexterity. Mike, any thoughts on this? That was a lot of great information you just drilled off. With regards to Patrick uh, Lencioni's Hungry, Humble, and Smart model, uh, being able to see people through that lens truly has, has made the hiring process at our agency a whole lot easier. Next up, uh, I want to talk about processes. It's been said that organizations that have good processes in place, you know, save time and increase overall efficiency. And in turn, this can dramatically improve your business by allowing you to make quicker and smarter decisions. That's pretty obvious. But what if good processes only show up in parts of your organization? Now, so for example, uh, there are a lot of organizations who have development teams that you know use agile processes which is great and all, but what if other parts of the organization like product, design, marketing are not operating under those same principles? Or, um, you know, conversely, what if your internal UX design team is all in on, say, design thinking and uh, design thinking methodology where, you know, the goal is to fail fast by leveraging user insights and it's your dev team that's operating at a snail space. You know, it's it's cliche, but everyone needs to be rowing in the same direction, right? So you can see where the friction is there. You know, here are some top symptoms that I want to share that we've observed when working with other companies. Uh, for example, you know, there's the website team butting heads with, you know, the development team constantly about how much effort and time um, changes or, you know, new features take. 
you know, remember the reference I said earlier about, you know, people saying unsavory things behind closed doors. Yeah, we've we've witnessed those um, on calls. Uh, another is when project managers, you know, assigned to your digital initiatives are absolutely not empowered or given the autonomy um, across organization to define success for their projects. You know, that's that's basically setting them up for failure. You know, then there are delays, delays, and delays. So, for example, like delays in getting answers or resources during uh, the early stage of your project. Uh, there's ghosting, you know, after you sent like five emails on the same topic uh, over the course of two or three weeks without a response. You know, you start to think all sorts of crazy thoughts like, did something terrible happen? Did the person go on vacation and just didn't tell me? Or, hey, does that person still work there? You know, all sorts of crazy thoughts, like I said. Um, and then there's the serial rescheduling of meetings. Um, you know, even though you know, and they should know that with every passing day is another day delayed uh, in the schedule. And then lastly, you know, how often do you experience this one? You're about to start an important digital initiative, but there are no business requirements documented in sight. If you haven't experienced this one, good for you. But unfortunately, not everyone is so lucky. Um, so here's a here's a true story. Craig knows this very well. But uh, I recall a client in the healthcare industry years ago that highlights this very fact. Uh, we were brought in to redesign and build an entire member portal. And there wasn't one aspect of that portal documented. Okay. But our team um, slogged through it all. Uh, though it wasn't easy and most definitely wasn't efficient, the project took so much longer than it should have. Um, and there was a lot of churn, but, you know, boy, was there a lot of churn. Something went wrong. Please try again. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> you know, by the time the project was in development, uh, I remember that's when the business uh, or the organization actually brought in a business analyst. Um, to start documentation on the whole system. You know, I just think about that. Uh, and those were just good times. Um, <laughs> but no, honestly, you know, to summarize uh, processes that have been, you know, created for digital innovation are only effective if they are organization wide. And, you know, if you allow your organi organization to, you know, properly frame the problem, um, extract requirements, uh, define the product and vision and UX strategy, identify and prioritize features, and uh, ultimately develop a product roadmap. That's great stuff, Mike. I, I think the last part, the summary that you gave, really is a roadmap for or a checklist for any product team, uh, business team, uh, etc. to think about their process. The process doesn't have to be rigid, doesn't have to be overbearing, but you have to have some fundamentals, you know, framing the problem, ex uh, extracting or eliciting the requirements, um, knowing that you may not have all the requirements sussed out 100% and you need to go through a design process to do that. Um, defining the product vision and the UX strategy, which then brings leadership uh, into alignment. 
um, identifying and prioritizing the features, which allows you to scope and budget and put a timeline to it, um, and then have a roadmap. I mean, those, it, it seems fundamental, um, but it's amazing how many times that, that something in there is missed and it really, really does slow down the, the entire project. Um, so that's great stuff. Lastly, what we're going to cover is culture. And most of what we've talked about already makes up your company's culture. But what we're going to focus on here is whether your company or organization is operations-minded or innovation-minded. And operationally-minded businesses focus on maximizing productivity and efficiency. They refine rather than revolutionize uh, in general. And innovation businesses zero in on new opportunities in uncharted territory. Big difference is that innovation is inherently wasteful. Innovation demands new processes, collaboration approaches, and technology. And for operationally minded individuals and teams that take pride in the way we've always done things, you hear that every so often, these changes can seem nonsensical and even threatening. But, you know, being operational minded or innovations minded culturally, it's neither right or wrong. It's more about knowing if your company is one or the other, operations-minded or innovations-minded, to help provide perspective to decisions, investments, and initiatives that the company might focus on. And, you know, in some cases, a company can be both operations-minded and innovations-minded. A great example is one of our clients is a 65-year-old applied architectural products distributor. And they saw an opportunity to grow their, their value in the supply chain by building a new e-commerce line of business and digitizing their distribution business. You know, they're excellent operationally. They operate multiple distribution centers and traditionally sell and fulfill wholesale orders to hundreds of retailers in their space. But 10 years ago, they saw that e-commerce was forever changing the supply chain and they made an investment. It was an experiment to build an e-commerce line of business or e-commerce site and, and the associated business with it. And then they began digitizing their business and they've really positioned themselves for the future. You know, as a business overarching, they pride themselves in their operational excellence, but the key is that their leaders have a growth mindset and they see technology as an opportunity to grow and change and differentiate. They're not technologists, so they partnered with outside experts to help them with the technology, the strategy, and the build, uh, design and build of it. But they drove the internal strategy and discussion around how does this impact our core business and is it something we need to do now or can we wait? And, you know, those are, I I would hold them in high regard in terms of an organization that's really had to wrestle with the operational mindset and the innovation mindset. And they've done just a great job of it. We're going to close with uh, five steps towards becoming a better digital partner or being more digital ready. And, you know, these are pretty fundamental. Uh, We would say start at the top. Your organization's ability to create a successful digital business, digital product, or digital project starts with an aligned leadership team. So you need to ensure that your C-suite, the mid-level leaders, and the team leaders are aligned on a shared vision for your business's digital future. You want to assess your organization's digital readiness. Reflect honestly on your team's strengths and weaknesses to identify gaps in your organization's digital dexterity. Then set the cultural tone. Communicate an inspirational vision of your business's digital future. You know, help your employees understand why it matters, what needs to change in order to get there, 
and what you expect from them. Then walk the walk. Carve out a digital innovation budget that lets your team know that you expect them to pitch digital innovation ideas, but make sure that they frame the ideas with a hypothesis to test. Solving a problem for customers or end users and how to measure the success and failure. That way they're not just throwing ideas out there um, that are a waste of money. Adopt design thinking or some other method of getting cross-functional teams problem solving together. Then break down silos, break down the institutional silos that you have. Encourage cross-functional collaboration with an eye to increasing your team's digital dexterity. Give your IT staff the opportunity to teach their business counterparts about emerging technologies, agile software development processes, and requirement solicitation processes. And then have your business team educate your IT team about systems thinking and business objectives. You know, by regularly sharing their insights as individuals and their experiences as individuals, your team will start to develop deeper empathy for once one another and learn to collaborate more effectively. And finally, be willing to let your external digital partners take the lead. If you're working with external digital partners, find opportunities to allow them to take the lead and expect your team to follow their recommendations, requirements, and deadlines. The experience of working with seasoned digital experts can push organizations to improve their digital capabilities more quickly than they can do on their own. Uh, any additional thoughts from you, Mike? I think those are great recommendations that you just uh, went through. I think uh, a lot of what we discussed today, you know, starts with having the right people um, in your organization that's reflective of the culture that you're trying to uh, achieve or, or trying to build. Once you get that part right, and yes, it's not it's not easy, but if you get get it right, the the systems and the structure part of it will flow from there. Yeah, those are great points, Mike. Great way to wrap up the conversation. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Join us again next time as we explore innovative approaches to enhance your products and services, optimize customer interactions, and ultimately drive success for your organization. Tune in, take action, and design your way to success. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Results by Design. If you liked this episode, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are also playing on all your favorite audio streaming podcast platforms, so stay connected and join us for the next one. Results by Design is brought to you by UpTalk. Our mission is to equip business leaders like you with the knowledge and tools needed to leverage UX methods and strategies to achieve tangible business outcomes and create lasting value. Whether you're a seasoned executive or just starting to explore the world of UX, Results by Design is your go-to resource for unlocking the potential of user experience to achieve remarkable results. Tune in, take action, and design your way to success.